0: Visit roberthalf.com today. Ukrainians around the world were given some respite from the horrors of war today as the men's national team got the job done in Glasgow, defeating Scotland two, well, not two, three goals to one. We'll have to amend that for post-production credits. And it sets up a World Cup playoff final against Wales, which is to come elsewhere. Argentina rained on Giorgio Chiellini-Azzurri swansong by shutting out Italy to win La Finalissima, It's a big result for Argentina. They continue to prowl. I'm Michael LaHood. He's Jonathan Johnson, and we're breaking it all down. Kay Golazo begins now. Hey, everybody. I'm Michael LaHood. He's Jonathan Johnson. Jonathan Johnson, how are you doing after today's
1: international matches? Hey there, my man. Good to be with you. Yeah, I'm doing uh, doing fine. It was nice to have that change of pace, uh, you know, from what's been quite a, a hectic end to the club season now to suddenly have like that leisurely stroll that international football brings for us, uh, you know, as neutrals with no uh, direct skin in the game. Yeah, and,
0: you know, lots of stuff to dissect and discuss. We'll start with the big one, the biggest match happening in world football this afternoon, evening, your time in Europe, Ukraine a team that's waited a long time, has had to deal with a lot of things off the field. They finally get their chance to have their say in World Cup qualification, that final playoff spot. And they played against Scotland away in Scotland. How did this match play out for you in your eyes?
1: I mean, I was surprised pleasantly uh, by Ukraine. I think that they were the the stronger team from the off. Uh, I think they took Scotland by surprise in many ways. I think their organization uh, was impeccable, especially when you consider how little time they've had together, uh, how some of the players barely had any meaningful minutes, uh, you know, since uh, Russia uh, declared war on Ukraine. Uh, And, you know, I think as well, their fitness levels were really, really impressive across the board. Either those players, you know, after a grueling season at club level, uh, you know, who are playing outside of their home country, uh, or those guys who have basically had to, you know, to to keep themselves in shape in very testing circumstances uh, and then make do with some, you know, I mean, I some almost token minutes really uh in that friendly against Borussia Mönchengladbach uh and uh the the charity tours that the likes of uh, Dynamo Kiev and, and Shakhtar Donetsk were doing so kudos to them uh you know they were definitely the better side and I think had Craig Gordon yeah. not been in such impressive form for Scotland uh, it could have been even worse for the hosts and I think as far as Scotland go It was just, it it was so underwhelming. I don't know whether they were mindful of the emotions that would be riding on this game for the Ukrainians, uh, or whether they were surprised, surprised, uh, you know, by, uh, you know, the, the, the quality of the Ukraine side that they showed in the early minutes. Uh, and, you know, also by the vociferous support that the the Ukrainians boasted at Hamden Park. I mean, I think the latter, they must have been expecting that, knowing what an emotionally charged game this would be. But, you know, to see Ukraine almost not drop a beat, uh, since we saw them at the likes of uh, Euro 2020 and in some of the qualification leading up to this, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty much as solid as they were uh, and almost look more dangerous in front of goal uh, than before when sort of they were reliant on somebody like Yarmolenko. Uh, to provide an absolute banger from uh, from long range so I, I think that this was massively encouraging for, for Ukraine and uh, you know they, they showed that yes obviously they they, they merit our, our sympathy and our understanding given the difficult situation with, with what's going on with Russia at the moment but also uh, you know massively deserve our respect just for the fact that you know they have some very technically excellent players yeah. uh, and their organisation was impeccable too.
0: Yeah, I love what you said about the organization and and really the team spirit that was shown. It felt like Scotland, who's usually a very spirited group when they're playing at home, they 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 bring the energy. Sometimes the football is lacking, <clears throat> but it felt like Scotland just looked like a team who were overmatched by the character of this U.S. or Ukraine team. And you know, the pups outside definitely agree with that. And one of the things that I've always been just befuddled by Scotland is you have players playing in a system that they're not used to. I think of Robertson in this 3-5-2 system, Robertson playing as a left wing back when he's typically used to playing in a 4-4-2 and really the enigma, Scott McTominay who plays for Manchester United plays sometimes too many games for Manchester United given the season that they've had, but Scott McTominay playing as a center back. What do you make of this lineup that Scotland put out?
1: Yeah, I mean it's uh, it's interesting. I see one of the, the the quotes that we've got is that Scotland looked tired and slow. I mean, yeah, yeah. that you know you could see that there are a couple of guys in there who have had very long seasons. James Benj in the preview podcast mentioned you know how Robertson you know is is basically gasping uh, you know for a bit of time off at this stage after a grueling season with Liverpool. But you're right, you know I think some of the decisions made by Steve Clark. Uh, you know, really, uh, you know, were were quite baffling. Uh, you know, I agree with you. I think McTominay was uh, was was misplaced. Uh, you know, and I think as well when when you referenced sort of the the slight positional change for 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 Robertson, you know, when you do that and you're suddenly not looking for the same players that you're looking for at club level, it makes things uh, you know a, a lot tougher and you know. If there's some uncertainty about the players, about where they find themselves on the pitch, who they're playing next to, who they've got in front of them, who they've got behind them, uh, you know, suddenly that can, you know, result in players' confidence levels dropping massively uh, and that reflects in the performance. And I think, you know, that's one of the contributing factors to why we saw this Scotland side, you know, almost playing like the away team uh, here, which is a a strange thing to say uh, because they're normally uh, so tenacious in front of that Hampden Park crowd.
0: And one of the guys and, and players that Scotland was really depending on, John McGinn, who I know LME is not here, <clears throat> but I'm not going to slander John McGinn's performance. Take us back to John McGinn. He had a very big opportunity to change the story and really write his name in the headlines for this match. You know, what do you think, what do you make of what happened on that missed opportunity?
1: I mean, I, th- you know, at the, at the end of the day, I wouldn't look at McGinn as you know somebody who should be a consistent goal scoring threat. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, uh, you know, Scotland would have expected to score more than one goal, and certainly. Would have expected, uh, you know, to to score in a more click up manner than the the way that they did actually manage to score through McGregor. But uh, you know, I think overall, you know, what McGinn is bringing to the table is not necessarily goals. It's that energy, uh, you know, yep. it's that box to box approach, uh, that the tenacity that I mentioned earlier that you expect to see from the whole team, and there wasn't really any of that and it's not just down to McGinn, it's not just down to Robertson, it's not just down to McTominay, it's down to the the whole team uh, and I think Clark will feel majorly let down by his players. I mean sure if McGinn scores you know, perhaps that changes the tone of the game, uh, you know, you know, if they manage to get themselves ahead, suddenly that's a, a, a completely different match. But, uh, you know, it, it played out the way that it did. Uh, and Scotland were already grateful for for Craig Gordon by this point in the match yeah. as well, given the saves that he made. So I think it's, uh, you know, yeah, we can talk about how fatigue has played a, a role in this. And I can vouch for the fact that, you know, McGeehan has had a long testing season uh, with Villa as well, but uh, you know, ultimately, I think that it was more of a, a collective failing the, than just picking out one or two individuals. You know, I think Scotland as a whole just weren't at the at the races here. Yeah, I I
0: love how you said that. I, when when you're a team and you're depending on a player who is playing a position that's not his natural position and it's an attacking midfield position lining up in this three five two, you better hope this player tans, or taps into his inner Lionel Messi. John McGinn not being able to do that today, and hey, Lionel Messi's Lionel Messi. We'll talk about him in Argentina later in the show, but let's talk about Ukraine. While wow. we talked about it earlier, but this team. Their ability to just play off each other, everyone functioning so well. When I when I look at how they lined up in a 4-1, 4-1 position or formation, I was kind of looking to see, was this going to be a more defensive-minded? But they really came to play. They put a lot of numbers forward. And when you play against a back three or back five away from home, that is not an easy thing to do, break down a team like Scotland at Hampden Park. Take us through how do you how do you think they they utilize their man advantage in in certain places out wide to break down Scotland?
1: No, absolutely. You know, it's not necessarily when you look at it on paper the the formation that's going to get you to a 3-1 victory. But uh, you know, I think as well, Ukraine have some, you know, quite underrated uh talents in that team. You know, Yarmolenko uh, you know, showed here his, his technical ability and took the the goal fantastically, <clears throat> the opening strike. Uh, you know, and I think Yuremchuk um, I think many people sort of just have this idea of him as just solely a target man. But, you know, he can also play himself, uh, you know, got himself the, the second goal. Uh, and I think, you know, we all know that Ukraine's real sort of star talent is Zinchenko. Uh, and yeah. he played the role, obviously, uh, with the assist for the for the third goal. So I think it was a mix of the organization, uh, you know, but also the the talent shining through. Uh, I mean, something else that I think back to as well, because I remember seeing Ukraine draw 0-0 with France at Stade de France. Uh, I remember being really underwhelmed by the French performance, mm. and impressed by the the organisation, uh, sort of the the tactical approach by Ukraine. Obviously, they were coached by Andriy Shevchenko at this point. But I think one of the things that is most remarkable um, about this Ukrainian side is that, despite everything that's gone on, despite the change in manager, they're still just as well drilled. Uh, as they were around about that time, and then obviously going into the Euros as well, uh, and I think that that played uh, a huge part. You know, everybody we we've been talking about how Scotland have moved players around. Uh, you yeah. know, not necessarily familiar with the the positions they're playing in. Ukraine. Everybody knows uh, the job that they have to do, the the role that they play. You know the qualities that they bring to the team. Uh, you know, and everyone sort of chips in to, to make the collective, uh, you know, stronger than you know what you'd look at on paper and, and think that its value was. Uh, and I think that's ultimately how you know this Ukraine side were able to to break Scotland down. Uh, you know, and, and end up finishing with a with a with a win by a two goal margin, which you know nobody. Uh, was expecting going into the game. I really thought that Scotland uh, you know would edge this one, but the the truth is that they were blown away uh, and you know could have lost by a lot more had uh, Gordon not been uh, so on form. So I think that that positional familiarity was certainly key for for Ukraine, but also we can't underestimate uh, you know some of their their star quality. you know, okay, yeah. perhaps we don't consider Ukraine an elite. Uh, you know, footballing nation. But, you know, I think it's about time that we put some respect on their name, not just because of the situation with Russia, but, you know, because of what they've achieved, uh, how they've progressed in the game in the last couple of years. Because this is definitely not a one-off and it's something I was able to see Mm. in person. And it doesn't surprise me uh, that they're now getting dominant results against teams like Scotland.
0: Yeah, this is a team that hasn't played for six months. Remember folks, six months, that's a long time. To just be away from having a, a competitive game, let alone the fact that there is war that they're dealing with, the emotional implications, the emotional gravitas of this game for these players. So, plaudits to them for for finding that will. And we've seen this before, maybe not with war, but with crisis. Crisis brings people together, or it can tear them apart. And you're really seeing a team environment. And let's go through Ukraine and some of their players. I mean, Yarmolenko. Place for West Ham United, a, a player and a team we're all familiar with as we've covered him on this show, his contributions to them. Um, and, and in that midfield, Malinowski, a guy who doesn't get enough love from Atalanta, that ball that he hit over the top, that was world-class over <clears throat> to Yarmolenko. And it just makes me wonder, if you're a team in Group B and you're watching this Ukraine team, what are you thinking are you taking notes and saying, "Holy crap, we got to keep our eyes on this team"?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I you know, I don't think that anybody can sleep on uh, on Ukraine. They have some fantastic talents. I mean, we haven't even mentioned guys like Viktor Sigankov or Vitali Mikolenko. Uh, you know, two also known uh, known quantities. Uh, you know, and I think it's going to be of particular interest to the USMNT as well, given that they'll be first up against the winner uh, of Ukraine and Wales. Uh, you know, but that that group is shaping up to be pretty tasty. You've got England, yeah. who obviously ended Ukraine's run at Euro 2020 in the quarterfinals, uh, and then Iran, uh, you know, who are rarely overawed uh, on the international stage. So, uh, you know, I, I, I find it fascinating, and I'm, I'm really keen to, to see now how Ukraine approached this clash with Wales, because if I'm being honest, I actually kind of feel like they've almost done the hard part uh, you know, winning away against Scotland and obviously going to Cardiff uh, is not the easiest trip for them to make. Uh, but I really think that Ukraine stand a great chance now of joining the likes of the US, uh, England and Iran uh, in, in that Group B. Uh, and I think as well, something else to bear in mind is whoever it is who makes it, uh, you know, will be playing all of their matches in the same place as well. It's the Al Rayyan mm. Stadium. Uh, you know, so I think that, you know, Ukraine, if it is them who make it in, uh, you know, I, I think that they shouldn't be underestimated in that group. And they definitely have the opportunity, uh, the possibility of taking uh, the U.S. or England by surprise. If there is a shock result, I don't know, say England and uh, the U.S. MNT draw at some point. Uh, you know, I really wouldn't be surprised if we see the same Ukraine that they push for, for say, second place. But obviously, it depends on them getting past Wales first. Oh, So you're already, oh, England's already won the group. Typical. <clears throat>
0: typical, typical of what happens in Europe, sleeping on the Americans, on the good old US of A, got my Texas
1: flag hey, I mean, in the background. Hey, I mean, you guys have just got to be grateful that you're there this time.
0: Yeah, 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 <laughs> love, yeah, you know what? You can't give credit until they actually win the games and get the job done in the World Cup. So we'll get to that when it matters and when it counts. But I agree with you. I love what you said about Ukraine and, and really whoever makes it through this World Cup path to get that final place in UEFA they are going to be one of the, the wild cards in the group, uh, whether it's Wales or Ukraine. And let's segue over to Wales Poland. Wales Poland playing in a Nations League matchup and really a test match. It comes at the right time for Wales to have a competitive match, to prepare for this meaningful playoff final match, to get to a World Cup, losing two to one to a Poland team that has already qualified for the World Cup. What did you make of their performance today? Does that give you hope in preparation for this matchup against Ukraine?
1: I mean, I'll be honest, I can't, uh, I can't comment too much about it because I've only seen sort of the the, the the brief highlights. But I mean, I think when you look at it on paper, I mean, Wales conceding two goals in the final twenty minutes, you know, so there was a period where they were on top, uh, yeah. you know, and I think you know Poland are a team with 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 quality. I mean, that's obvious when you're looking at a team that has Lewandowski uh, up top. Uh, but you know that I, I think Poland are, are more than just a one man team. And obviously Wales discovered that, uh, this evening. And I, but I think as well for, for Wales, the, it, I mean, you, you can't compare the, these two fixtures, you know, it's all about Sunday. They don't want, uh, you know, anybody getting injured unnecessarily or being anybody, mm-hmm. anybody being run into the ground. So yeah. it's all about conditioning, I think, and. I, I think that they'll probably be able to to get over, uh, you know, dropping the game in the last uh, 20 minutes or so. Uh, and I think that they'll be ready to try and give Ukraine, uh, you know, a, a challenge. But also Ukraine will be looking at that and feeling encouraged because, like I said earlier, I mean, I don't want to, to tempt fate uh, for Ukraine, but, you know, I, I really feel like Scotland Scotland away is a harder fixture than Wales away. So the fact that Ukraine have won in such impressive style... For me, uh, you know, when I'm looking at this Wales team, it, I wouldn't say that it strikes as much fear down the spine, uh, you know, as yeah. uh, as, as a Scotland does. But then again, you know, we're looking at the Wales team and it's a Wales team that doesn't have, uh, you know, the likes of uh, Gareth Bale in it. So it's, you know, I, I think the Wales that we see on Sunday is going to be much changed, uh, you know, from the Wales that we saw here against Poland.
0: Yeah, whenever you don't have your two best players, Aaron Ramsey, I'll even put into that category because when Aaron Ramsey puts on a Wales jersey, the Superman cape flows from the back (laughs) with what we saw for them to get to this point and Gareth Bale. I mean, Gareth Bale, call him Gareth Wales, and really it's the Gareth Bale World Tour. Will it continue into the World Cup or will it end here? And asking you, the fans, who do you think is going to win This coming Sunday between the matchup, Wales and Ukraine. Be sure to put the winner of your choice in the chat and let us know. We'll be sure to talk about that and more. And let's talk about Gareth Bale while we can. Could he go down
1: as the greatest British player ever? I think greatest British player ever. I... I don't think so. Uh, obviously, he's a fantastic player. Gareth Bale, in his prime, was utterly brilliant at times. But I mean, I think there are some players who have probably had more longevity uh, in their career, mm-hmm. being able to sustain, uh, you know, their impressive form. Yeah. Overall, I mean, you look at how long somebody like Ryan Giggs, uh, you know, managed to, to play at such a high level. I mean, I guess the, the detracting points in that argument would be that Giggs, you know, never had the international stage with Wales to enjoy that Bale has had. And obviously, part of the reason Bale has had that has been his performances uh, at international level. So, sure, definitely one of the most talented players, uh, British players. But whether I'd put him down sort of as the the greatest when there have been a lot of very, very good players. I mean, you know, just a couple off the top of the head when you've got the likes of Gascoigne, uh, Paul Scholes as well, some phenomenally talented, technical, brilliant players. Gerard Lampard, obviously. Uh, you know, there, there are a lot uh, of, of players that we can throw into that debate. So I'd say that Bale is is one of a number of talented players to to be produced and maybe we could even argue that you know he actually had the potential to to be uh, you know the the greatest british player but uh, you know I, I think that's a, a massive and and wide ranging argument with a lot yeah. of uh, you know different technicalities to consider as well
0: yeah, well, I like your argument there, and let's wind it back then. And before we do, looking in the chat, some fans already saying that Ukraine seems to have the edge, according to fans watching this show. But Jimmy Survivor, you are the lone Wales champion. So we will remember that should Wales get the job done. You have guts, Jimmy. I love that. And when let's let's scale it back a little bit. And one more call to action. Uh, be sure to like and subscribe. Tune into the show and you know, if you love what we're talking about here, there's plenty more. We've got plenty more on today's show and moving forward. But you know scale it back a little bit. Could Gareth Bales go down as the best British player of his generation then if he's not going if it's not in history?
1: I mean, of his generation, uh, I think that there's definitely arguments and that's where we sort of bring it back to the debate about what he's achieved at international level. Obviously, it helps having a wingman, uh, you know, of the calibre of Aaron Ramsey and that Welsh team. Uh, And there were some other fantastic uh, integral figures at the time as well, Ashley Williams in the defence being one of them. But, uh, you know, I think so much of, uh, you know, Wales... um, I wouldn't really call it an explosion on the international stage, but sort of a rise to prominence certainly around Euro 2016. You know, that owed to the fantastic Mm. form of Gareth Bale, you know, really, uh, you know, at the absolute height of his game. And if he could have sustained that for a while then he probably could have made an argument uh, you know for for the other category that we were discussing but certainly i think he's he's definitely one of the most talented players of, uh, of of his generation and i think maybe the the most frustrating thing about it is it almost feels when you when you look at it i mean you know each to their own and you know he he doesn't have to live Uh, you know for football but it it just kind of feels like if he was maybe more emotionally invested and I don't know if that's maybe a Mm. reflection of the fact that he never really uh, I don't know maybe felt like he fit in at Real Madrid I mean I know he achieved a lot there with the club but perhaps if he was somewhere where he felt a bit more at home uh, you know he might not have lost that passion and you know we wouldn't have had that the the fantastic uh, you know the the golf flag as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's if it, it, it feels like there there was a point where maybe uh, you know if he wanted to write himself into legendary status both for club and country, he will always be uh, a Welsh national team legend. Uh, you know, but if he wanted to remain legendary at club level as well, uh, you know, either you know he sort of. <laughs> took himself a bit more seriously and knuckled down or made a move a bit earlier than, uh, than now when obviously he's leaving uh, on a free transfer from Real Madrid this summer.
0: Yeah, and you said it. Breaking news today coming from Gareth Bales himself. A heartfelt letter to Madrid and the fans. I know it's been kind of a a broken relationship and a fractured relationship at times. Wales, golf, Madrid, no longer. Gareth Bale leaving Real Madrid been a beautiful love story, love hate relationship. The Trophy Cabinet says they love him. The fans not so much. So I'm going to ask you, Jonathan Johnson, where to next for Gareth Bale?
1: That's a good question. Uh and honestly, I think, you know, if he wants to have any sort of meaningful remainder of his career, he has to go back to to the UK, go to a Premier League side. I mean, I think that there are still a lot of Premier League sides who will look uh, what he's still capable of doing uh at international level what he's done in flashes uh when he's been able to like that lone spell with spurs uh, and feel that there is still a player there that you know they can maybe get back to 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 his best you know perhaps a team that's not in europe uh just yet but is maybe looking to to get themselves back on the continental stage who knows maybe an aston villa somebody uh somebody like that uh you know because I, I think wherever Bale goes next, there will be a splash. There will be a lot of excitement, but uh, you know, I think as well, he has to go somewhere where he's going to fit in. Uh, Southampton's a good, a good shout as well from from Natalie. Uh, you know, it, it would be kind of like a fairy tale ending uh, to that, and it'd be nice as well to see one of you know a, a band of so many talented players that came through the uh, the, the Saints youth academy, uh, you know, to actually sort of go back and, and play a meaningful role there at senior level. But, you know, wherever he goes next, you know, hopefully he rekindles that passion, that desire, uh, you know, to want to go out, train every day, uh, you know, and and get out there on the pitch doing doing what he does best. Because when he is applying himself, uh, he's a phenomenal talent. Uh, You,
0: JJ, you know where I want him to go. There is no mistaking. (laughs) But we can golf. You can golf all day. (laughs) Just not in Manchester. But would you would
1: would would you would you take him though after the last couple of years that you've seen from him in Madrid? I would, I would, because
0: this man can still deliver on set pieces. He wants to be back in the UK. Just has an amazing record when he sets foot back in the UK. And I'd let him go to Wales. Let him go back. Let him go to Cardiff whenever he wants. You can do whatever, Gareth. Just show up and take free kicks against the top six. And I'll be a happy Manchester United fans. But we're going to take a break after this, dive into the other big match of the day, Argentina versus Italy, and a few others. Hope you're enjoying the show. Kegel Golasso live recap, your national break. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving nonstop goals highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. What brings you to the show? Opportunity.
1: Everybody get down!
0: Right to the a new rain is coming to the South side.
1: Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's
0: job. The shy new episodes may 10th. Visit paramount slash the shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews restrictions apply. Argentina puts a butt whooping on Italy. The Azuri looking a shadow of themselves looking aged, not like fine wine but like very decrepit looking wine. Lino Messi, Martinez, and Di Maria, the stars of the show, 3-0 Argentina at Wembley over Italy. Jonathan Johnson, we know this Argentina team has some stars, but is there a bit of gold dust and magic that we can expect something out of them, out of this group?
1: You know what? I don't actually think it's necessarily gold dust or magic. I mean, mm-hmm. when you have players of of the caliber of Messi, Di Maria, uh, DiBala, uh, you know, Martinez, you know, pretty much everybody uh, in the Argentine squad, uh, it's almost more important to be able to generate or build up a bit of chemistry. And I think that was the challenge that faced Scaloni when he came in. There's so much talent in this squad. It's a way of actually channeling it, actually turning it into a functioning team. Uh, and that is maybe the most impressive thing that's happened with Argentina over the last couple of years. You know, they've got the Copper America title to show for it from last year. Uh, you know, and looking at them now, they are uh, you know, a real unit. They play, yeah. uh, you know, as a group. It's not just a, a bunch of individuals thrown together on the pitch. Uh, you know, and I I think that they will be much more convincing as a team uh, on the World Cup stage uh, come the end of this year. Uh, and I think the the staggering thing uh, about this performance was, you know, how united uh, this Argenti- Argentine side looked. Uh, and how dishevelled, uh, you know, Italy were. And let's bear in mind, Italy were crowned European champions less than twelve months ago. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's been a staggering sort of rise and then fall from grace once again uh, for the Azurri. But this Argentina side, I think it's it's the kind of setup that Messi had been crying out for for years. It's a shame that it's come so late in his career. But, uh, you know, if he can maintain the same kind of form that we saw from him tonight, you know, teeing up two goals for his teammates and Jadim Maria looking evergreen as well, uh, you know, then perhaps this Argentina side are going to have a say uh, in Qatar later this year. Mm, well, it's
0: just so special. 32 games unbeaten with this match. There's something cooking in the water with this group. And,. What you said about Lionel Messi aging, I think that actually is a good thing. So many times when you have a world superstar in your ranks, Argentina have been so dependent on Lionel Messi, which some of the other players who have role players on this team and stars at their other clubs, they kind of shy away from taking on the spotlight and looking to pass to Messi, pass to Messi. Now they're stepping up, and a guy who is building and building and has built from last season to Copa America, strong performance in Serie A with Inter, Lautaro Martinez. This guy gets better and better. On those two goals, scoring one himself, setting up Di Maria with that delicious chip for the second. What do you make of this guy's ceiling? Are we are we just scratching the surface with how good Martinez can be as a striker for Argentina?
1: I mean, you know, absolutely, he has plenty of potential and can be one of the best strikers on the continent. Uh, I think the the question with Martinez has always been about his consistency to score, uh, you know, regularly. Uh, I think if he can work on that in the next couple of years, you know, he'll be absolutely lethal. He already is lethal, uh, you know, and I like it that he's multifaceted as well. He can provide assists and also score goals. I think you you always boost your value if you're not just the the predator who puts the ball in the back of the net uh, at any cost. You know, he can score the easy goals. He can score the the tougher ones. Almost, it's kind of weird that he, he kind of finds it easier to score the spectacular rather than the, the straightforward. But you have guys like that sometimes in the game. But I think the fact that he can also lay... Uh, you know his teammates on as well. That's extremely valuable both for club and country. Uh, you know, and I think as well this Argentine side now is is really set up quite nicely. As you mentioned, you know Messi. There are there are certain advantages to him being a veteran. Same goes for Di Maria as well. And then when you have like a wild card like Dubala, somebody who we know Oof. is phenomenally talented and can be brilliant on his day, you just throw him in. Sometimes you'll get a performance out of him. He scored today. Uh, and, you know, I think that this Argentina side has a lot of balance, a lot of potential, uh, you know, at this moment in time. And things certainly look uh, very good in, uh, in attack right now. Given what
0: they've done to get to this point, qualifying for the World Cup, playing in an action-packed, all-action, bowl, does this match, a match like this, that's a a statement match, really, to beat Italy 3-0 in Europe, what does it say about their chances at the World Cup?
1: I mean, I think their chances are very, very good. I mean, with all due respect to all the other teams uh, in that Group C I think anybody who looks at that on paper is going to expect Argentina to to finish top of that group. Uh, you know, with all due respect to Mexico, Poland, Saudi Arabia, you would expect Argentina, okay, maybe not to get nine points, but, uh, you know, certainly to to finish top of the pile. I think Mexico will probably be the most challenging uh, fixture out of those. But like we saw earlier with Poland against Wales, you know, they're not to be messed with either. And Saudi Arabia have come on leaps and bounds uh, over the last couple of years as well. so I think the fact that uh, you know Argentina will uh, you know have somewhat of a test in their group uh, straight off the bat uh, is a good thing. but you know i i I'd be confident if 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 I was asked uh, you know somebody put a gun to my head and, uh, <laughs> and made me give made me give uh, Jimmy Conrad my my bets for the world Cup now, I would uh, i th- I think I'd have Argentina uh, you know getting to the business end of the tournament.
0: Yeah, they made more and more of a believer out of me watching them in Copa America and really just like you said, it's a team that's unified. It's a team that is unified for a common cause. And no, it's not just having Messi get that coveted World Cup title. There's so much at stake for all these players. I think of the Pablo, Paulo Diwala coming off the bench. He's a guy playing for a new home. Leaving Juventus this summer, and a guy who will be also leaving Juventus, shifting over to Italy, Chiellini, the swan song that wasn't for him, getting just just butt smacked in every single way in this match. No, you know, no other way to put it. And moving to LAFC, moving to MLS. So congrats to him on just kind of this business end of his career, latter stages. A guy who's been just a champion to. Juventus, a champion to Italy. And looking at this Italian team, what a difference a year make. You touched on it a little bit, but what happened? What's happening to Italy? They seem like they're regressing, not moving forward from that European championship victory.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to just put your finger on one thing that's happened since that Euro success. But let's be honest about it as well. And I'm not taking anything away from Italy. Uh, you know, they were, I guess you could say fortuitous at times, uh, on their routes to the 2020 final. Uh, and you know, they, but they were also opportunistic. They took their chances, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, so credit to them. You, you know, you can't be a bad team if you go on the, the unbeaten run that they went on, you know, that record breaking, I can't remember what number it finished on It's something like 46 or something like that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but the, You know what seemed to galvanise them under Mancini? As soon as they, as soon as that record broke, it's like something else broke, like a collective belief. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Maybe, maybe in the the group, the the squad kind of psyche mentality. uh, You know, they suddenly thought, well, okay, we've won the Euros, so we're back, and you know, the Azuri is is something that the the country can be proud of again. And being in a difficult uh, World Cup qualification group, suddenly they found themselves, uh, you know, dropping down the standings uh, and then dropping into the playoffs and then obviously getting beaten, uh, you know, by one of a number of plucky uh, European sides, uh, you know, currently on the rise. So for me, I I think it's... uh, really it's, I mean, it's not for a lack of talent. Um, I do feel that maybe there's a bit too much loyalty at times towards some of these aging stars. I mean, let's, let's be honest as well. If you were Chiellini at that moment, surely there must've been a thought in his mind. Well, uh, you know, it's going to be impossible for me to go out on a much higher note than this Euro success. So I'm going to retire internationally now, maybe prolong my, my club career, by a season yeah. or two and now suddenly he finds himself on the move and retiring from international football anyway so I feel that maybe there's, there was a bit of stubbornness on the part of some players who could have stepped aside and, and created space for this younger generation but also at the same time when you look at that Italian squad and Italian football as a whole there isn't actually that much coming through in the way of a younger generation in terms of sort of international quality. Yes, there are guys like Barella, uh, you know, who who are coming through yeah. and is going to be the spine of this team for, for sort of the next decade. But when you look at that group and you look at, the, look at someone like Marco Verratti, Marco Verratti is going to be nearly 35 by the time he next potentially gets the chance to play wow. in a World Cup, which is insane. That would be his first World Cup ever.
0: Yeah, it. I think of – it just makes it – shines a light that much more. A guy that they are missing, Chiesa.
1: Yep. Came um, in the tournament,
0: a guy who could make a difference in the final third. But I agree with you in terms of the loyalty to older players and really some of the young guns coming out of Syria, coming through Italy. I wonder what this is going to force not just management to do, but some of these younger players – I'd like to see them get into the top four teams and seeing how they grow and compete and compete at this level. But Italy definitely a crisis moment for them. And this, this match really shines a light on that of where they are at, but call to action for all of you watching, listening in tuning in. How far do you think Argentina will go in this upcoming world cup? Are we seeing some silverware? Are we seeing just disaster? Let us know. Put it in the chat. And, and it's, uh
1: I, 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 I can on. see that Des Des has corrected me there. Thirty-seven games unbeaten. Still uh, a phenomenal run. And you're you're right uh, to raise the the point about Chiesa as well. Somebody who was missed by Juve uh, as well as Italy. So I mean, I think you know when you've got guys like that coming through uh, and starting to play a key role as he was at the Euros. Uh, you know, I, I think you, you really have to embrace the younger generation at some point, even if they might not be as good uh, as some of the older generation were in their prime. I think at some moment, you've got to to sort of let it go. Um, yeah. And I don't want to see Chiellini flame out at the end of his career, but sort of slipping into international retirement, getting subbed at halftime, you know, is, is pretty brutal considering the, the champion that he is. And then going to, to Major League Soccer, it's not a it's not a knock on MLS, uh, but it, it doesn't really feel like the right move for him. I don't see how he's going to go out on a high, uh, you know, making this switch. Uh, it's almost like he probably would have been better maybe seeing out one more season in like a squad yeah. role, just being there for his experience, as opposed to, you know, trying to make the most of the last of this summer wine. Well, it truly is
0: the end of an era, the beginning of the end of an era for that Italian back line. And last thoughts for me in this match, Italy didn't come to play, but a player who did come to play in a lot of ways, Donnarumma, some of the saves he made, it felt like it was Donnarumma versus Messi and the whole Argentine attack. Kudos to him for the saves he made, but it wasn't to be today for the Azuri. They just got smacked and smashed and defeated at Wembley in front of 87,000 people. That's a statement win for Argentina. And final thoughts shifting over to Paul Pogba. PP. Oh, man. JJ, you take this one. I'll close it out. Just for me, Paul Pogba, talk about the end of an era, the end of the road for him. His second stint at Manchester United coming to an end. He's going to see out the remainder of his contract as soon as his contract expires. It's chow, baby. Paul Pogba going to be on the move. Not sure where he's going to end up. Rumored to be going to just about anywhere that's good in football. Maybe Serie return with Juve. What do you make of his time in English football again?
1: Really underwhelming, uh, to be honest. Uh, I think many of us expected Pogba to go back and actually make something of himself at United, and I know he ended up, uh, you know, winning the Europa League. Uh, but you know, I think that feels like an absolute bare minimum. Uh, and let's be honest, it's not just been an individual failing; it's been a collective failing. I think the club have failed uh, in the Pogba situation as much as the player himself. But that doesn't excuse, uh, you know, Pogba for you know, almost kind of downing tools uh, at times it feels because when you see him play for the French national team, you know, it's obvious that there is still a very high quality player there. It's just he sort of picks and chooses, uh, you know, when he brings that A game, uh, you know, to to, to club level. I'm unconvinced that a return to Juventus would be the best thing for Pogba. One, I don't think Juventus is necessarily the most healthy environment for anybody who's there at the moment. It's getting better but it's not a club that's been in great health over the last couple of years. Also, I think Pogba's in danger of his career being a bit repetitive. I think, you know, he's seen going back to United didn't necessarily work out the way that he expected it to. Why why is going back to Juve going to work out any better? Uh, and I'm not saying that as somebody, uh, you know, who would want to necessarily see him come to France. I also don't necessarily think that coming to Ligue 1, I mean, obviously, PSG would probably be the only destination for him. I don't necessarily think that would work either. I think he'd be too much in his comfort zone, uh, yeah. you know, if, if he was back home. So I don't know, maybe a move to, to Spain. But, you know, again, there's not too many suitors that you could see uh, on the horizon at this moment in time, especially with Barca yeah. facing financial oblivion for about the 70th time this year. It's, I mean, it really, honestly, it feels like Pogba is at a crossroads in his career uh, I don't think that he should repeat the mistake that he made in in rejoining United uh, by rejoining Juve. I think he needs to think a bit longer and harder. Obviously, he suffered a massive loss uh, in his life away from the field recently with with Super Agent Mina Raiola passing away. Uh, and I I think that Pogba would benefit from considering his future a little bit more. I don't know, perhaps this international break is exactly what he needs. The opportunity to have a chat with Didier Deschamps to get his head straight work out exactly what might be the, the the best move for him. And I think he needs to go somewhere where he's going to be important, going to feel valued yeah. um, to get the best out of him. Uh, and it just really, it, you know, his time with United just kind of leaves a bitter taste in the mouth because it could have been so much better than it actually was. Well, he's he's going to have ample
0: opportunity over the next couple of months to really entrench himself and endear himself to whichever fan base he ends up at. I would love to see him in Serie A, maybe not with Juve, but with so many clubs on the rise. I think of the two Milan clubs. Could we see Paul Pogba heading to a Milan, whether it's blue half or the red half? I mean, th- th- these are the conversations that we're excited about as this summer rolls on with Kay Golasso. And also, let's not forget United fans. Jesse Lingard also on his way out. United Academy product. It's the end of the road as well, and it kind of got messy towards the end. And you know, rather than messy Lingard, which he started out with, it just went back to plain old Jesse. Not even Jesse Lingard. And these are this is the state of the club, and it just it it really it kind of rubs me the wrong way to see my favorite club. And I know you know if you weren't a Villa fan, your favorite club, your second, just stayed it <laughs> on the show, your second favorite club. But it just it, it it just it's just been the state of affairs behind the scenes. It's gotten ugly. It's gotten messy. And I think it's time for some of these players that have been at the club for the last three, four, five years, the time to move forward and start a new chapter. So, thank you for your service to the club and the ways that you have. There were good times, but there are also some not so good times. And could we see him at West Ham? Could we see him on loan? I know Tottenham Hotspurs. I mean, they're they're si- they're signing lots of people. There seems to be a Spurs revolution, but. You know, this is what the summer's for, and we're excited about it. And Jonathan Johnson, I know it's your bedtime, but if we have to ask final thoughts from today, a lot of action, lots of ground we covered.
1: Well, yeah, final thoughts. Uh, because you assume that I would be a United fan if I wasn't a Villa <laughs> fan. But United were the team that everybody loved to like either you were a United fan yeah. when I was growing up or you loved to hate them. I was one of the guys yeah. who loved to hate them, but I think it's a sign of the times when United don't even really bother you that much anymore. That's sort of how far uh, the Red Devils have fallen, uh, you know, sort of in the years since Ferguson left as, uh, as, as manager. So, uh, you know, fingers crossed for, for you, the only good times are ahead at, uh, at Old Trafford and Eric Ten Hag can get this revolution kicked off in, uh, in the right mm-hmm. way. But no, just uh, final thoughts. Looking forward to, to chewing over that and, and many other topics with you over the summer. And uh, you know, looking forward to this uh, blast of international games that we have before everyone goes off on holiday. Mm,
0: love that, well said, Jonathan Johnson. And on my end, two things: Yinman Song, not even in the conversation for PFA Player of the Year. What in the hell? What in the hell? What in the Sam hell are we doing, as they say here in Texas? Like, blows my mind. Sonaldo not getting the love and respect he deserves. Well, there's a change that's coming. I think he's going to light it up again and then some this coming season in the Premier League. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if a big club <clears throat> puts a big offer for him. Don't think Spurs will let him go, but this is the, the just the beauty of the transfer window. Anything can happen. And also, U.S. men's national team will give our other friends, In Soccer We Trust?, A shout. US men's national team playing tonight, six o'clock central, for those few people in the central time zone. I know East Coast gets a lot of love, rightfully so. At 7 p.m. Eastern, US men's national team versus Morocco playing in Cincinnati, Skyline Chili Fest. Cincinnati delivering with a beautiful atmosphere at TQL Stadium. Be sure to tune in. And also, Jimmy Conrad, Charlie Davies, Heath Pierce, in soccer we trust. Be sure to check out the pod. Those guys are doing great stuff, getting it off the ground. Our producer, Des Norris, also involved with that. And I think that does it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. Jonathan Johnson, as always, pleasure to work with you. Always a pleasure. Always enjoy our conversations. And those of you at home, thank you for tuning in. This has been Kay Galasso. Goodbye.